A cadre of state lawmakers traveled to Denmark this summer to explore their green energy sites and talk with players in the world of renewable energy, including companies looking to develop or continue developing offshore wind projects here in New York. For more on the fact-finding mission, which was funded by Cornell University's Industrial and Labor Relations School's Climate Jobs Institute and the Climate Jobs National Resource Center, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by State Senator Jessica Ramos, a Queens Democrat who chairs the Chamber's Labor Committee. Welcome back to the show, Senator. Thanks for having me back, Dave. It's our pleasure. And we're also joined by Lara Skinner, the Executive Director of the Cornell's of Cornell's Climate Jobs Institute. Thanks for making the time, Lara. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Lara, to begin, what was the goal of this trip? What were you hoping the lawmakers and union officials and other industry experts could gain from this experience? Yeah, so Denmark is a world leader in addressing climate change and building a strong, equitable, clean energy economy. Um, They have already reduced their emissions by about 50 percent below 1990 levels. Uh, About 45 percent of their electricity comes from clean energy, including solar and wind. And on top of that, they have built uh, major clean energy industries that provide a lot of high quality local jobs uh, to folks in Denmark. So they're really sort of a world leader, both in addressing climate change, but also building strong, equitable clean energy economies that provide good local jobs. So that was really the main impetus for us to go there, to learn how they've made this transition and how they protected and supported workers and really generated a lot of economic development as they've addressed climate change. Well, Senator, what were you hoping to get out of this trip? And did you have any specific questions that you were looking to get answered uh, during this visit abroad? Yeah, you know, for a long time, we've known that building a union climate economy really is of great consequence to us in New York and uh, certainly in leading our country. So going to Denmark for me was largely about understanding um, kind of where they are. And we learned that they're on on pace to uh, be at net zero by 2050. And they have Uh, wind turbines just about everywhere, which was really amazing at different ports, um, on farms. And it it just really felt that we're far behind. Uh, And, you know, Denmark has a population that's smaller than New York City, never mind New York State. Uh, So it was really an understanding of how much work there is ahead of us. Um, But I felt very hopeful, given everyone who was on the delegation, Um, And and it being a bipartisan delegation that there is greater understanding now of the urgency to address the climate crisis and to do so by putting more New Yorkers uh, back to work. Well, Lara, how did Denmark get to the position it's in now? And what about that process could New York try to emulate as it tries to achieve its own green energy goals? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I would say a few things. One, um, Denmark, you know, was a major oil and gas producer. It still is. Um, They produce a lot of oil and gas from the North Sea. They were also a major shipbuilding uh, country. They built a lot of ships and many of their ports were dedicated to that. And after the oil crisis in the 70s, um, and then again in the 90s, they really got focused on how did they make the transition to be a country. They're a small country. But they said, you know what, we can be a model for how the rest of the world addresses climate change, reduces emissions, and really builds 
a big equitable clean energy economy. And so they set very ambitious climate goals um, and they continue um, to accelerate and increase those goals, um, ratchet up sort of the ambition of the goals, but they also provide a lot of public support to make the transition. And so when they thought about, you know, transitioning from oil and gas and shipbuilding to clean energy, they really thought about how do we protect um, and support workers and communities through this transition. Um, and they really sort of, you know, focus in on offshore wind. They said, we have a lot of wind, we have a lot of space in the North Sea, we can become the world's leader um, in this industry, not just in installing offshore wind, so we produce a lot of renewable energy from it, but also in actually the manufacturing um, of offshore wind turbines. Um, and they now have almost 100,000 people employed in that industry, which is a lot for a small country. And they are—they have the largest offshore wind company in the world, or said based in Denmark, or said doing a number of projects in the U.S. Um, and they have, you know, one of the largest manufacturing sectors for the offshore wind industry in the world. Um, while we were there, we were at a port, and we were able to see the offshore wind towers um, that are going to be transported to New York to be put up on our first offshore wind farm, the South Fork Wind Farm. We were able to see one of the floating substations that they've manufactured. Um, so they really, you know, they've set the ambitious goals. They've really thought about how they maximize the number of jobs that they create. They have a great social safety net that ensures that these are going to be high quality jobs. Most of the jobs are unionized. Um, and they also provide the public government support to make sure that this transition is done well. Well, Senator, when I think about the rollout of New York's renewable energy build out right now, I think about how project labor agreements have played such a large part in the planned development. Uh, aside from those PLAs, what else could or should New York be doing to ensure that the transition to renewable energy is built on and relies on good-paying jobs? Yeah, you know, I actually think that legislatively, we've done a ton. We set some lofty goals with the CLCPA. We passed the Environmental Bond Act. Even the Build Public Renewables Act is going to transform the way we're addressing climate change. But, I, you know, it's been frustrating to have to focus on advocacy and more advocacy and more advocacy at some point it has to turn into action we need to figure out how we're going to work with these companies certainly how we're going to um, uh, establish american and hopefully new york companies um, and also think of the supply chain uh, kind of behind the curtain here. These are still systems that we need to build out. And quite frankly, why it was so important to fight fight for uh, funding for the Climate Jobs Institute at, at Cornell University to help us map out what that's going to be like. Um, because we, of course, want to reduce our carbon footprint. That's the goal. Not everything can or should be imported. And we want to ensure that we are able to build and manufacture those wind turbines here, test them here, install them here, and, and, and let New Yorkers do that work. Lara, when you think about the rollout in Denmark, are there any missteps that they've made that we should want to try to avoid? Or should we just want to emulate everything from their playbook? That's a great question. I mean, I think um, they've definitely taken a lot of, of the right steps. I mean, they have a very different labor relations system than we do. They have a very robust social safety net. They have universal health care, universal retirement. 
um, you know, folks are able to um, have access to unemployment for two years if they're displaced from a job. So it's a pretty different system than we have here in the U.S. So it's important that we do apply the labor and equity standards um, that we have in New York State and, you know, can expand and build on. That's going to be important to making sure that we're making sure that these are high quality, you know, union, family and community sustaining jobs. Um, you know, as probably you and many of your listeners know, we have a lot of folks who are employed in the traditional energy sector in New York State, and many of those jobs are very high quality jobs. They're good paying, they have great benefits, um, and we need to make sure that this transition helps build a more equitable economy and it doesn't exacerbate inequality. Um, you know, and so far, you know, we're seeing in the solar and wind sector, before we pass much of the legislation that we have in New York State, too many of these jobs are low wage, low quality. So I think we need to make sure that we have standards in place that make sure that these are going to be good jobs that have, that help build our communities and make our economy more equitable. And in particular, that there's, there's pathways from frontline communities that have been most affected by climate change, pollution, historic inequities into these new jobs in the clean energy industry. You know, if I can if I can add a little bit here, this is exactly why we allocated nearly $1.9 million in the last state budget to pre-apprenticeship and apprenticeship programs um, statewide um, because we want to start ushering in this transition. And we know that there might even be some reshuffling of how we see work organized here in New York. Um, what Part of what we learned in Denmark is one worker actually has to have the knowledge of doing perhaps a, a handful of trades work um, as one person and of course to do it safely. Um, that's one thing that I really admired in Denmark is every presentation that we had, they led the conversation with safety. And so here we of course want our workers to be well prepared and, and, and you know, we're smart to start making these investments now. Um, and like Laura mentioned, we are now um, awaiting the arrival of some of those wind turbines from Denmark um, out in the South Fork of Long Island. Um, but hopefully it'll be the first of many because we are literally thousands of wind turbines behind. Well, speaking of Orsted and their relationship to New York, I, they're part of a group of green developers in New York who are looking for some increased payments for some of the contracted works that they have uh, before the Public Service Commission. Uh, I'm curious, Senator, was there any discussion during this visit about their need to uh, increase uh, the state support for some of their uh, projects above and beyond uh, the original commitments that were made? Not with me, uh, no. Uh but you know, we didn't just meet with Orsted. We also met with the Copenhagen Infrastructure Partnership and actually a few others who have um, a vested interest in working here in New York. And of course, you know, my job as as chair of the Labor Committee and honestly as a as a New Yorker is to make sure that they're going to be the best possible partners, that they're going to treat our folks well, that they're going to abide by the law. Um, and, and, and that's really, I think, the oversight that, that we can provide here. But again, I want to come back and say that I'd love to be in a place to also uh, be able to, to um, think of, these, of, of New York companies that are learning and doing this work. You know, Denmark is actually even 
trying to rethink nuclear energy. Uh, we met with a company called Seaboard that is trying to be innovative in establishing um, nuclear plants on barges um, to sort of think of a, of a quote unquote safer way to do nuclear, which is of course something that that is still a hot topic here in New York where we've closed Indian Point. And a lot of those workers, those utility workers, uh, local one, two and others, well, we need to be able to have the resources to help them transition and have the training for these new jobs. Um, so, you know, I, I think the, the conversation about those PLAs and 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 getting the work for those companies here is, you know, I'm not the I'm not the decider. The legislature is not the deciding uh, body here. Um, but certainly it is our responsibility to ensure that they if they are going to be approved and they are going to be working in New York, that they're going to abide by our standards and hopefully even surpass them. Well, finally, based on the timelines laid out in the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, are there realistic opportunities for New York-based companies to get involved in some of the manufacturing work, or are we going to have to defer to a lot of these outside stakeholders like uh, Orsted, RWE, and other companies that have more experience in these areas? Well, we're going to have to build that out, right? So, for example, I represent a, a district that is comprised by the neighborhoods just south of LaGuardia Airport. So we actually have some aerospace manufacturing happening in my district, uh, meaning that they're already engaging in nacelle technology, for example, um, but they're producing airplanes, not wind turbines. So working with these uh, manufacturers, these companies to, to make that transition themselves so that we can build out the supply chain is exactly the work that's before us. I'm sure Lara has something to add. Yeah, I would say, Dave, that, you know, if you think about the offshore wind industry, there's a lot of parallels, as Senator Ramos mentioned, to aerospace, uh, to shipbuilding, to bridge building, to concrete work, uh, to electricity and, and transmission uh, manufacturing uh, component parts. And so there are tons of small and medium-sized businesses in New York State that are already doing work that's very similar to the component part manufacturing that has to happen for offshore wind and other clean energy industries. And I think we need to really sort of push that we do wanna have more of the component parts manufactured in New York State. The majority of jobs are in the manufacturing, not in the construction and operations and maintenance. Those jobs are gonna be great, a good number of jobs, but ultimately we know from you know, our sort of overall estimates of the industry, the majority of jobs are in manufacturing. And so, you know, I think some of the, you know, bigger component parts, you know, it may be Danish companies are setting up facilities in New York, but it's also going to be, as Senator Ramos mentioned, that we're helping uh, industries that already exist, small and medium-sized businesses that already exist in New York State, um, understand that there's this burgeoning industry, you know, being created and that there's a way that they can pivot and be a big part of the scale-up that needs to happen for this industry. And, and that's especially true for MWBEs. Right. We want to, uh, you know, help MWBEs eliminate a lot of the traditional barriers that they've had to do business. You know, obviously, MWBEs have less access to capital than other companies. There's cash flow issues, especially usually with state and federal contracts. Right. The, the, there's also, I think, a procurement reform piece here in New York that will have to take place to make sure that all New Yorkers have a bite at the apple, if you will. 
Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to. The only thing I would. Yeah, Laura. I was just I was just going to add, you know, many of the Danish companies were very clear that they want to locate parts of the supply chain in New York State. I think they understand that's part of the political viability of their project. I think they also understand and have said to us that they have the full supply chain already developed in Denmark and they can ship anything that they need to ship across the Atlantic. And so it's not automatic, right, that we're going to develop an offshore wind manufacturing in New York State. We will have to work hard to make that happen and we will have to have you know, local content requirements um, and continue to expand those local content requirements to make sure that more of that manufacturing industry is being located in New York State and that we're mm-hmm. developing homegrown NWBE industries um, to, to support this industry. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with Lara Skinner, the executive director of Cornell ILR's Climate Jobs Institute, as well as Senate Labor Committee Chair Jessica Ramos. Thank you both so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for covering this, Dave. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.